A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 227. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where psychology and business sit down to chat. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, speaker, executive coach, and consultant to entrepreneurs, leadership, and their companies. I believe psychology is the key to adapting and thriving both personally and in business. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for people searching for deeper conversation, deeper insight, and deeper research on psychology and business, where weekly conversations and content spark rare and profound insight, inspiring new awareness, new analysis, and new action. It is my mission to unlock the role of psychology inside every human touchpoint in business, all aimed at simplifying and harnessing psychology principles, skills, and strategies you can learn and apply so you and your business continue to grow and thrive. Grab a proverbial seat and tune in for insightful interviews, scientific research, psychology-based frameworks and reflections, and answers to thought-provoking questions so you can learn and leverage psychology for yourself and your business. Welcome to Q&A Thursday with Dr. Yishai. This week on the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, I had Justin Klein, founder and president of Markerly an influencer marketing agency and technology company with the mission of making marketing more human. Our Insight Sunday conversation was so packed that I just had to share it all with you, which meant a double dose of insight. In part one, episode 225, Justin shares the story of founding Markerly, along with pivots, taking his company in a completely new direction. We also talk about the definition of an influencer, a psychology underpinning influence, and the role of influence in marketing. In part two, episode 226, Justin and I continue talking about influence, psychology, and the importance of context and alignment for organizations, their brand, marketing strategy, and harnessing influencers as a part of a holistic marketing strategy to create more resonance, impact, and success. If you haven't yet, Go back and listen to episodes 225 and 226 to learn about leveraging influence in marketing from an innovator and expert with over a decade of experience working with Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, nonprofits, and -and up-and-coming brands alike. Following our conversation on the psychology of influence and influence as a tool, I'm digging deeper and talking more about the psychology underpinning influence along with a warning for how trying to influence people can backfire. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. 
With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D Adaptation Framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. And now without further ado, let's dive into five ways wielding influence can backfire. Did you know thesaurus.com has a whopping 54 synonyms for influence? That's a lot of words to explain a fairly simple concept. Simply put, influence is getting others to think or act based on what's inside your mind, maybe instead of their own. But just because you want others to consider or follow your point of view doesn't mean you'll succeed in having an effect on them, though. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Trying to convince or cajole someone can backfire. But before we talk about how wielding influence can backfire, I want to dig deeper into the psychology and science underneath influence. And there's no better place to start than perhaps the most widely known researcher, author, psychologist, and authority on influence. It was 1984 when Robert Cialdini first published arguably the most influential book on influence. His book spread like wildfire and touched so many corners of the world, of our relationships, and everything from marketing and advertising in the internet world now, all the way back to relationships, persuasion, sales, politics and voting, and more. His book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, might just be one of the most shared, recommended, and read books on the topic. And since that time, Robert Cialdini has followed it up with ongoing research on social influence, norms, conformity, compliance, and a host of other related topics, including the impact of environmental, language, and emotion on decision-making. Cialdini's cornerstone book included six principles of influence, and I'm going to explain them here briefly. The first one is reciprocity, which is, in a sense, a tit-for-tat. The psychological idea being that people don't want to just be indebted to others. And so when somebody does something for them, they have this impulse or urge to do something back to the other person. And that way they might get to tell themselves, I don't owe them anything anymore. The second one is commitment or consistency. The idea there is that we as humans have a desire or need to be seen as consistent, and that drives commitment to follow through. And that can be with beliefs, values, and actions in alignment, or it can be because somebody said something, they now feel obligated to follow through in order to see themselves and be seen as a consistent person or someone who follows through on their commitments. The third one is social proof, which really simply is doing what we see other people doing. It's especially true and powerful when we're not certain, we often look around. And if it's something that others are doing, will feel safer with that decision to also go along and do that. The fourth one is authority, which is about viewing or perceiving 
someone as having status, wealth, expertise, some indicator that they know what they're doing, they know what they're saying, and or their thought process or their decisions have led them to be in a position of power. The fifth one is liking, which can have to do with having similarities to others or having or experiencing an interest in them, whether that's because of their attractiveness or some ability that they have or some talent or skill that they have, whatever it is that we perceive or experience a kind of draw towards them or an interest in them. The sixth one is scarcity. Scarcity has to do with there being a low supply, whether that's not a lot of time in which to make a decision or get something done, or there being some kind of urgency related to that, or there's just not very much of it left. All of those can kind of trigger this sense of scarcity, which is if I don't act now, I may miss out. But as I mentioned before, that's not all that Cialdini has shared when it comes to influence. In fact, in a later book called Unity, he talked about how important shared identity is, which is not just having shared interests the way liking is, but it's categories of affiliation, of seeing ourselves as part of a group, almost like a sense of belonging with who we are and who others are. It's important to understand that not every one of these principles is necessarily going to be present, and yet the presence of one or more of them can have a kind of cumulative effect on how much power you have to influence others. And that brings me back to a point that Justin and I were talking about last week in episodes 225 and 226 when we covered two important aspects of influence. One is understanding influence as a tool, and then the second one is the role of alignment between who you're talking to and your message. The way I define a tool is that a tool lowers the required input and or increases the output. And so when thinking about influence as a tool, we looked at and talked about the psychology of trust and influence when a leader helps or invests in their audience, then the audience may come to rely on the leader or that influencer's thought process or recommendations. In other words, that lowers the required input in order to act on a suggestion or recommendation and increases the likelihood or the output of acting based on what somebody else recommended. You know, a good example of that might be maybe you have a friend or someone you look up to and they made a recommendation. And maybe that's a recommendation for a restaurant. Maybe it's a recommendation for some software you should try in your business. Or maybe it's a recommendation for a new strategy to increase your conversions or acquire more clients or to increase your business or market share. Whatever that may be, since you have this relationship with them, and especially if they have either provided some help to you or given you some beneficial advice or input or something they've said or done has really helped you out, in that case, you're much more likely to take what they say and put it into practice. In other words, that relationship can be viewed as a mechanism or a tool that lowers the input, the required energy or effort to have a suggestion be accepted and acted upon, and then it can increase the output, whether that's a likelihood or a willingness to go out on a limb or to try something or do something because somebody else had recommended it. 
The second point we talked about is the importance of alignment, context, and data, which Justin emphasized when it comes to speaking to your clients, your customers, your ideal clients or customers. The importance of really resonating with your audience, with your consumers, is really tremendously important because of the time, attention, energy, and resources that it takes for them to choose to be part of your people, your group. And they're going to opt out when it doesn't resonate, which really highlights the importance of empathy and clarity and taking the time to make sure that what you're sharing or who you are imagining and trying to speak to are the people who are really interested in your product, your business, your mission, whatever that is. So let's say you got all of that dialed in, the seven principles of influence, viewing and having this tool-like role where you can lower the input and increase the output, and then also having alignment, that kind of context data, who your people are and your message resonating with them. Could it still go wrong? Or what if you're just trying to increase your website traffic or your conversion rate? Could it go wrong? Absolutely. Both can easily still end up completely backfiring or backfiring in part. And here's how. One, you can risk weaponizing influence to accomplish your goals instead of mutually meeting each other's goals. And I see this a lot. It can create tremendous pressure, especially in a business or in leadership, to artificially inflate or misrepresent a situation, an outcome or a likely outcome, just to be able to try to exert influence. One example of that is the Theranos company, which had made all of these claims about the technology and what it could do, which led to years of struggle, sanctions, lawsuits, and completely backfired for Theranos. A second way that wielding influence can backfire is that people may assume you know them, their problems, and how to fix it better than you actually do. They might believe that because you can help them with one particular aspect of a problem or challenge that you can solve everything or make all of their problems go away. In a more generalized way, they might begin to implicitly expect that you can help address or fix more than you can. And that absolutely dovetails into the third way that wielding influence can backfire, which is people assuming that you, and maybe even in general, that other people could have all the answers to their problems and prayers and can fix them. And what that leads to is people not thinking for themselves, relying too much on you, and thinking and treating you or your product or service as their savior. And a really good example of that is when I was a trainee, I sometimes had a client in and they would just dump a list of problems. They would spend most of the time of their therapy session talking about just this massive list of all the things that are problematic for them that aren't going well, that they're struggling with. And then at the very, very end, in the last few minutes of the therapy session, they would ask, okay, so what do I do about all of this? And that put me in the position of 
being viewed as if I had the solution or the way to handle or fix all of their problems. And while the purpose of therapy and what we were able to do is to get them more clarity and have some strategies and figure out how to apply that themselves or figure out how to navigate what's going on for them in a way that's effective for them, that's not something that I'm going to, at the end of a session, have 100% of the answers for or be able to immediately fix for them. However, it ties into those two problems and ways in which wielding influence can backfire. People assumed that I knew them, their problems, and how to fix it better than they did. They assumed that I would be able to fix it better than they had been able to. And then they assumed that I myself or other people would have answers to their problems and prayers, as if someone else can just step in and fix it all. And that leads right into the fourth way that wielding influence can backfire, which is that the person wielding influence may actually believe that they can fix all of somebody else's problems, that they have all the answers to someone else's problems and prayers. And I know we might be veering a little bit into cult territory when we talk about that. However, there are moments and ways in which sometimes leadership talks and communicates and puts themselves on a pedestal as if they really can, almost as if they have some sort of ability to be a savior. And that can turn into blaming people or disqualifying or devaluing them, whether they're customers, clients, or whoever, if they don't get it or do it right. In other words, blaming the customer, the client, or the person who's turning to you or hoping to get some help or solve a particular issue by engaging your product or your service. And the fifth way that wielding influence can absolutely backfire is that people may see through it or they might feel upset, hurt, angry, or violated when you don't actually solve their problems, when they see the manipulation, especially afterwards. In fact, the term buyer's remorse is about people regretting making a purchase. And at times, that may be a result of looking back and seeing themselves being influenced in a way that really wasn't helpful to them, but was being wielded or weaponized by someone else, by the salesperson or by the company or by the marketing or by the advertising. Those kinds of reactions can also show up when a client or a customer sees or hears themselves blamed for their lack of success or for their problem not being solved or resolved. And it can also show up when they experience you as manipulating them for your gain. It can be seen and sometimes called out as manipulating, tricking, deceiving, or cheating people out of their hard-earned money and really not delivering on the promise. So the entire point and purpose of influence is really just to affect how others think, make decisions, and act. But that can still be fraught with complications, whether or not you end up succeeding at it. So whether you're trying to learn more about how to influence people, or you want to be intentional about what you do with the influence you have, it's important to recognize some of the potential pitfalls of weaponizing influence, overreaching, and how it can completely backfire. So take the time, be intentional, and remember that 
as the famous Spider-Man quote goes, with great power comes great responsibility. And on that note, I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 